Good morning, Sailorville. If you brought a copy of scripture, you can find Ephesians chapter six, Ephesians chapter six. And I, I have to say, after singing that song, like you for the first time, actually in the first service, uh, I saw it, I sang it for the first time. I thought, I don't normally listen to songs or music before I read my Bible, but I think I just decided I'm going to. That is a great song in preparation for opening up the word of God, I think. And um, let's, let's thank God for his word as we look at it this morning, shall we? Our Father, we wait for you. And that by your Holy Spirit, you would open up your sacred word and do your mighty work by informing us and transforming us by the word of God with the knowledge of the breastplate of righteousness. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. Just a few weeks ago on January 2nd, if, you were, uh, if you're a fan of, the, of NFL football and you're watching one of the great final games of the season before the playoffs, you would have been, along with millions, horrified when DeMar Hamlin, the defensive back for the Buffalo Bills, took a heart-stopping hit to his chest and suffered a cardiac arrest right there on the field. Thankfully, praise the Lord, they were able to get his heart going again, and he's alive and communicating today, amen? But he won't be playing today in today's game. He's out because of what happened to his heart. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, we're reminded again, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, right? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And therein is the subject of our time this morning. The breastplate of righteousness. We gave you a depiction of a Roman soldier last week. The breastplate on a Roman soldier served one purpose and one purpose only, to protect, and specifically to protect the heart. In fact, one ancient of those days in the first century called the Roman breastplate the heart protector. It was molded metal. There were different kinds of breastplates, leather, chain, and whatnot. But the most famous one that you're looking at was molded metal that shaped around his sides so that the soldier could, 
compete in hand-to-hand combat, protecting his vitals, okay? When you're talking about vitals, you're talking about that which you need to live, to survive, and if you're a soldier, to advance in the fight. And the Apostle Paul, who is in a Roman prison in Rome, chained to a Roman soldier, sees that soldier as a metaphor for the battle in which we are fighting in this church at war. And he sees the breastplate as a metaphor for the protection, wait for it, the protection of a righteous life. It's a vital, that is our heart, lungs, these are vitals, you can't live without them. And as a knife to the heart will kill, so a knife to your testimony can kill or seriously injure your credibility before men if you are a child of God. When your testimony is injured, the road to recovery can be a long one. Can I get an amen? Some of you can probably relate to that. And Satan knows this. And his entire modus operandi is to steal, to kill, and to what? Destroy, John 10, right? Hence, Paul says, put on the righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. Now, the word righteous or righteousness just means a standard. That's all it means. It's a a standard. In this case, we're talking about God's unchanging standard of right or rightness. The world standards are constantly changing, right? Making things acceptable, lifestyles and beliefs unthinkable even a generation ago. Far from God's eternal, unchangeable standards, and we're seeing it happen right in front of us. The prophet Isaiah saw this when he said, justice is turned back, and And righteousness stands far away. It's like a word picture. Righteousness is a person standing far away. And watch this. Truth has stumbled in the public squares. Have you ever read that? And uprightness cannot enter. You could put that verse of scripture over every single element of our society right now. Has truth not stumbled in the public squares? It's an indictment upon our society and to a large degree on the church. Now we are talking about the breastplate of righteousness. Now we differentiate between two kinds of righteousness, but I have to tell you, the Bible doesn't. The, God doesn't differentiate between uh, imputed righteousness and applied righteousness. To God, they're like one, or the one comes out of the other. So, like truth, the righteousness that comes in ought to come out. There are two technically different kinds of righteousness. There's righteousness put in, and there's righteousness from the text here, put on. And again, like truth, when righteousness comes in, righteousness should come out. That's the reason we have scripture like, if anyone's in Christ, they're a... New creation, old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we are talking this morning about God's righteousness, our ultimate protection. So we're looking just two, put in and put out. 
or rather put in and put on. Put in, which takes place at salvation, and this is what we and theologians call imputed righteousness, okay? Remember the Apostle Paul is talking to the Philippians and he's, he's reminding them of the stellar life in which he's lived. And then he says, uh, I, I, I'm not trusting in my righteousness of my own. Not having a righteousness of my own, right? But the righteousness which comes from God through faith. And twice he says that. But the righteousness that you and I need, and many of you here watching online, you desperately need, is the righteousness that comes from God through faith. Some of you probably think, well, you know, I'm a righteous person. You want to know what your righteousness looks like to God? Here it is. Isaiah says it looks like soiled garments. It looks like filthy rags. It looks like a polluted shirt. You want to know how many righteous people there are in the world? (laughs) None. There are none righteous. Not even one. The righteousness of God, the imputed righteousness of God, that the put-in righteousness of God comes by faith. This is the reason why we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, now wait for it, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. It's an imputed righteousness. It is, it's not, you don't need righteousness for God. You need righteousness from God. God's righteousness And it forms the protection of your eternal heart. This is righteousness put in. When the gospel came to me 40 years ago this year, I knew when it started making sense, I knew that the only thing I had to offer to God was my wretchedness. And in exchange, he gave me his righteousness. Pretty good deal. Just last week, in our first service, we baptized a woman. Her testimony is now online. You should watch it, Debbie Mother's Shed. And it was an amazing testimony. She talked about listening to a sermon, and in the 29th minute, I trusted Christ. I went to lunch a couple days later with the guy who was sitting right over here. He said, yeah, well, at 8.30 that morning, that's when I trusted Christ. Hallelujah. Do you have a time? Do you have a time? The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time where you repent of your sin and receive the imputed, put in righteousness of God. Do you have a time? I'm not talking about a time you prayed a prayer. I've had people tell me they've prayed prayers that didn't do anything for you. You need to have the righteousness of Christ put in you. So righteousness put in, 
That takes place at salvation. It's an imputed righteousness. That's not the kind of righteousness that the Apostle Paul is talking about, however, here in Ephesians chapter six. He's talking about righteousness put on in sanctification. This is applied righteousness. This is the righteousness that Paul is talking about. Applied righteousness. The outer protection from an inward power that's already present within you if indeed you are a child of God. And I never assume that everyone listening is a child of God, ever. In fact, look at the line again. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's that's aorist tense in the Greek, past tense. So he's assuming it's already happened. He's assuming you already have God's righteousness imputed into you. You have it through salvation. Now put it on. Put your clothes on. Every other week, my family, uh, not my immediate family, I mean, all my family's really large, so I'm like number eight out of nine. So we meet on Zoom every other week. We have a blast, and everybody has to come up with a different subject, and sometimes we come up with subjects like, what was the most embarrassing moment of your life? My brother Mike tells his. His most embarrassing moment happened when he was six years old. This is a true, somebody asked me, is that true, this really, that, that, yes, this really happened. He had a dime on him, and he determined to go to the store to buy some gum. And as he went to the store, people, he saw people, somebody playing in a sandbox, somebody in another yard pointing at him and laughing at him. He, didn't, he thought, what is this all about? He remembers this vividly. He got to the little grocery store just a few blocks from our home and reached into his pocket to get the dime, but the dime was already in his hand. He didn't have any pockets because he didn't have any pants on. (laughs) And suddenly he realized he had no pants on. He said, Pat, I grabbed my shirt, pulled it down past my you-know-what and ran And people were laughing at him all. The same ones laughing on the way were laughing on the way home. If I see you out and about as a Christian, I assume, it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not, I assume you put your pants on before you left home. And if you're a Christian, how much more that you have dressed yourself in the whole armor of God. If the righteousness of Christ has been put in you, the righteousness of Christ must be put on you. This is what Paul meant when he said to the Philippians, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's what the Bible says. In ancient times, when a squire was in process of becoming a knight, and the night before he would be knighted, he would spend the entire evening in the castle chapel on his knees with all of his armament displayed before him. And he would commit his soul to God. This is what you and I, as knights for Jesus, if indeed you know him, 
should do every day. That's why I was so moved singing that song. Every day. The dressing exercise. This is how we should don the armor of God. Look at your inner breastplate. The imputed righteousness of God. Perpetually in you. Now presently on you. So when I dress in the morning, when you dress in the morning, you pray something like this, Lord, I dress. I put my, as I put my pants on, as I put my shirt on, as I put my cap on, as I put my shoes on, I, I put on truth, a life of integrity. I, I, I put on righteousness to protect my heart. I, I prepare as I put my shoes on to know that where I go, I want to be ready to tell people about the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to go in faith, Lord, so I can extinguish those fiery darts of the evil one. And I want to have the helmet of salvation on so I can always be mindful, Lord, of who I am before you. And ready, always with the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, so that I can advance against my enemy. Amen? That should be my prayer and yours. But a word of caution. Do not think on the basis of this text. Do not think, if I put the breastplate of righteousness on, the devil can't hurt me. But in fact, he may hurt you. There is no promise here that the devil can't hurt you. Satan may hurt you, but he can never change you. Not if you're God's. The reformers had a great doctor. It's my favorite of, their doct- of the doctrine, the tulip is the perseverance of the saints. Uh, Now, if you're from one of our circles, you probably heard something like the security of the believer, right? Anybody ever heard that? Eternal security? Raise your hand if you've heard the expression eternal security, right? Okay, well, just expunge that from your mind. Because it's it's a wrong-headed way of thinking. This is the reason, this is what comes out of praying the prayer. I prayed the prayer, I prayed the prayer. You, 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 You know nothing Nobody got saved by just praying a prayer. It is repentance and faith in the shed blood and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we just sang about, amen? That we get the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's why I I don't despise, I just don't like the term eternal security. I like the term the perseverance of the saints. Because that is, the reason I like that I prefer is because it's more biblical, it's more realistic. We who are Christ, listen to this, we who are Christ will suffer. We will hurt. We will be persecuted. We will be attacked. But we will never give up the fight and we will never give in to Satan. Not if we're his. Not if we're God's. God's breastplate within you will protect your heart from eternal death. Remember Job? Remember what happened to Job? Remember the dialogue between God and Satan over the life of Job? So what does God say to Satan? He says, you know, I've been running around looking at who I can, you know, harass. And God says, remember what he says? Have you considered what? My servant who? No, that's your name. What if God puts your name in there? Because God does go on. 
he says, he's blameless. He's an upright man. He fears God, shuns evil. He still holds fast his what? Remember last week's message? His truthfulness life. What was God saying to the devil in that moment? I'll tell you what he's saying. Job over here, he's got the breastplate of righteousness on. That's pretty cool, isn't it? But here's the point. We all know what happened to Job, right? It didn't guarantee temporal protection from pain. It guaranteed the eternal protection from punishment because there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a promise from God. Not a protection from temporal hurt. If you put on the breastplate of righteousness, it won't save you from every hurt on this side of eternity, but it'll save you from an eternity of hurt on the other side. And when you endure righteously with the breastplate of righteousness put on, your testimony will be saved and Jesus Christ will be exalted. Amen? And some of you are thinking, I'm so weak. I feel like such a mamsy-pamsy soldier or soldierette. I don't feel like I have it in me. I don't know that I can do it. Then hear the words of the great late Ray Steadman, who reminds those of you who feel weak in yourself, so unable to fight, he, I quote, remember that you already wear the breastplate of righteousness. You do not stand on your own merits. You never did. You never had anything worthwhile in yourself to offer to God. You gave all that up when you came to Christ. You quit trying to be good enough to please God. You came to God the Father on the infinite merits of his son who died for you. It is not your own miserable, tattered righteousness that covers your heart, but the solid, impenetrable righteousness of Jesus. Hallelujah for the breastplate of righteousness. Where did Paul even get this thinking? You say, well, you already said he was looking at this Roman soldier. It actually goes deeper than that. Now, you say, well, yeah, I know. The Holy Spirit was guiding him. That too. But you have human authors in the Bible, and God is using their own intellect, their own memories, their own knowledge of the word of God. Where did Paul get this metaphor? I'll tell you where he got it. He got it from the very same chapter I mentioned earlier where truth has stumbled in the public squares. Remember that? That's Isaiah 59. If you read on in Isaiah 59, God's people are so wicked. God himself in the Messiah, it's a messianic, it's a messianic passage about Jesus comes and puts on his own breastplate of righteousness and his own helmet of salvation. He, doesn't, he didn't need to be saved. He's already righteous, but he puts it on so he can fight for us. And you know where he fought for us? He fought for us in his life, and he fought for us in his death, where the righteous one 
took on the wretchedness of his people. Jesus Christ, the eternal God, donned his own righteousness and his own helmet of salvation and brought it home to you and me, the wicked. And aren't you glad? Let's pray. Our Father, we are grateful tonight, this morning rather, for the righteousness of your Son. We have no righteousness of our own. We claim no righteousness. There's nothing in and of ourselves. We need the righteousness that comes through Jesus. And I pray for those in this room and watching online right now, you would admit it. Your hearts are tender. They've been convicted. You don't have the righteousness of God in you. It's not reflected outside of you. And you would say, God, I am so wretched. I am so sinful. I am so unworthy. I place my faith in your son your righteousness personified who died and rose for me. I place my faith in Jesus. Would you give me your righteousness? Would you put it within me so that I can put on the breastplate of righteousness outside of me, the power from within to fight for your glory. May those who truly know you in this room Determine this morning that they will never leave their home without putting on the breastplate of righteousness. And no matter what kind of hurt we endure, we have the confidence that we will never be condemned and we will never give in to our enemy. Now lift up those who are weak and struggling to this end, Lord, and make us good soldiers and soldierettes for you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.